0: We're going to turn now to Ruth chapter 4, maybe the end of chapter 3 first of all. Just a heads up that after the sermon we're going to be singing uh, Hymn 81 from the Book of Praise. And uh, just another heads up about Hymn 81. There's, We have seven verses and the, the final verse is on the next page. It's easy to forget, but uh, Hymn 81, all seven verses. So Ruth chapter 3. Returning to verse 16, and then we'll read chapter 4. Hear the word of God. And when she, that's Ruth, came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, These six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Now Boaz went up from the gate. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend. There's a footnote for the name friend. And that footnote in my Bible says, Hebrew, poloni almoni, literally so and so. So let's read verse 1 again. So Boaz said, come aside, so and so, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here, and they sat down. And he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. And Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from the Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other and this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore the close relative said to Boaz buy it for yourself and he took off his sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people you are witnesses this day that I have, brought, that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. Let's uh, finish reading here just uh, the first part of verse 11. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. And that's our reading for this morning. Congregation, brothers and sisters loved by Jesus Christ, what makes Boaz so amazing? I'm going to assume that you agree with me that Boaz is... Amazing that he's an incredible guy. But what is it about Boaz that we admire in him? Turns out, everything that we admire about the Lord Jesus Christ, everything that reminds us of the Redeemer of the world. Think of his compassion. His humility. His integrity. Bravery. That he would sacrifice himself. All of that, we have a glimpse of it in Boaz's life. And we're looking at 10 verses this morning to see Boaz as we see Jesus Christ. That we would be admiring Jesus Christ, that we would want to be all the more like him. You want fulfillment in your life? You want glory in your life? You want a name for yourself? You want to know why God made you? You want to be all you can be? Then be like, in some way, be a glimpse of your Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Walk in His steps. I'm not much of a fan for people, for men. I go to a conference and I can only put up with so much talk about John Calvin, this and that, or R.C. Sproul, this and that, or John Murray, this and that. These are only men. But hang on, let's not overreact, because there is a place for this. As God does here in His Word, there is a Boaz, and yes, He is only a man, and we know he's, He's not our Savior. But the best men and the best women that you admire... You admire because they make you look to Jesus Christ. You ever think about that? How have they been like Jesus Christ? They are God's workmanship. The Holy Spirit has been in them, making them in the image of God, in the image of the Son of God. Let's give God some credit for this. And here's Boaz. Ruth chapter 4, and the name Boaz, just in case you uh, had to look that up, it means strength. And he's living up to his name. He's strong in the Lord. We have to think about his character. You remember how chapter 3 left off? Naomi's words were this, Ruth, this man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. He is making things happen. He's got drive to him. How many men are actually like this? This is a characteristic we admire in a man. He's got gusto, drive. And if you're thinking about the character of Boaz, you you actually know quite a bit about him by now, right? Remember his integrity? The last chapter? Purity. Purity. Back in that last chapter, the threshing floor chapter, I'd call it, when Ruth is pursuing him, and things could have happened that night in the dark. A one-night stand, and Boaz could have had his way with her. After all, she, she snuck in there at night, and she's all dressed up, fancy-like, smelling purdy-like. And if there ever was an invitation, he could have gotten away with the pleasures that night. And let's say she even became pregnant. It's his word against this woman who's some Moabite foreigner. One of them. There's no DNA test. He could have gotten away with it. You're coming to chapter 4 and the Lord has shown you this man, Boaz, is a man of integrity. How many of us would have given in? But we know it's more than he's a man of integrity. He is generous. He's a go-getter. And you're admiring him. This is a man. How could you not respect him? And yet, we need to know him a little better yet. Because this morning, there's a meeting at the town gate. The way they built their towns you could say town square for some kinds but these were the meetings were done at the gate entrance way where the wall of the town has an opening and the message i'm bringing boaz has a first love boaz has a first love who is that first love of boaz I'm telling you, it's not Ruth. It's not a woman at all. And I have to say this and point this out because it's, maybe you find it easy to read the story of Ruth as like a short romance novel. Kind of a Romeo and Juliet story where this one is from Moab and the other one is from Israel and they're going to overcome all odds to get married and they'll live happily ever after. Yay! turns out boaz loves the lord first most of all and you can see it clearly here in chapter 4 he's not all about ruth this might surprise you he's not infatuated he doesn't have his blinders on he's not ready to elope never mind what the community says never mind what tradition is i'm just going to do uh, do my thing no we actually meet him at the town gate here where all the rulers sit where trade happens, where official city business happens in Bethlehem. In fact, we actually now know what Boaz wants most. That no matter what, Ruth and Naomi would get redeemed. We had a hint of this back in chapter 3 at the threshing floor scene. What What does that mean though? First, I'm using that word redeemed a lot. To be rescued, that's what I mean, it means to be bought back from severe trouble like poverty, where you're helpless, you can't do anything because you just don't have the means, from from childless, which especially back then meant you had no one to provide for you. Disappearance and death, to redeem is to buy back from, from going off the face of the earth, You'll see this language show up in verses 5 and verses 9. Boaz says, he's doing this, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren. That's what he's after. That the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren. That in a bunch of years from now, no one would ever go like, who's Elimelech? I have no idea who Elimelech is. Malon? Killian? Doesn't ring a bell. Never heard of it. Chapter 1, our introduction had set us up for that. That all the people of the day were doing what's right in their own eyes. And God's hand was heavy upon his own land. And there was famine going on and there was death. And the Lord was literally cutting people off from the face of the earth. Remember how gloomy it started? Chapter 1. So what's on the mind of Boaz at the beginning of chapter 4 is how can the dead be raised? Redeemers do this. They ask that kind of question. Verse 5, You must buy it from Ruth, the, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate, to raise up the name of the dead through his inheritance. This is about resurrection. To raise up the dead. Redeemers talk about that sort of thing. I want you to see that there's more important things going on than some romantic interest that Ruth and Boaz have for each other. Who is the first love of Boaz? It's the Lord His God. And you can see it in that he's concerned for Ruth and for Naomi. He has compassion on them, a character trait that we admire in people. He has compassion, so much so that he's already talking to someone there at the city gate, a closer relative. Now, in our translation, it doesn't quite cover it. It says a close relative, and and it's missing, the nearer redeemer. There's a special term in that language for the one who would redeem. On behalf of the family. This was already in chapter 3 at the threshing floor. Ruth had said, Take me, take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a kinsman redeemer. You are one of these near redeemers. And Boaz said in verse 12 of chapter 3, There is a relative closer than I. If he will perform the duty of a redeemer for you, good. Let him do it. And secretly, what are you thinking? I'm thinking, come on Boaz. Boaz why did you even mention this other guy? And then it's even worse. Like this whole town hall meeting at the city gate. Boaz has assembled the leaders and he's told them the situation and he's told it to this close relative, Redeemer, and in verse 4, I will redeem, says this fellow. Didn't that just hit you in the gut? when that other redeemer says i will redeem why did we even mention this guy first off do you know that boaz what is he holding up in such high regard that ruth be redeemed that naomi Be redeemed, that the dead be redeemed. The dead are raised up like Elimelech and Malon and Killian, that they would live. It's not just that Boaz is interested in redeeming, but we're told this story because this other redeemer fails. He stumbles and fails and he is not much of a redeemer. And you get a sense of that in the story. I hope you notice how it got slowed down for us. That when it comes to the land and this transaction, I could redeem the land. This other guy, he says, yeah, I'll buy it. I'll redeem it. And maybe there's something to the background there that there's a financial benefit for him if he forks out a whole load of cash maybe he can use it or something maybe there's some worthwhile endeavor for him pros and cons the land was worth it but hang on Boaz makes sure that this other fellow knows the whole deal verse 5 there's Naomi and Ruth And what about raising up the name of the dead through his inheritance? So verse 6, he suddenly changes his mind. (laughs) To our relief, right? He changes his mind. I cannot redeem it, he says in verse 6, lest I ruin my own inheritance. Yeah, he would be thinking, helping Ruth have children, helping Ruth have her own children would suddenly change things in his own situation, double the responsibility, his children, and, and maybe he has, uh, he has his own children already, and then helping out her children. The point is, whatever it is that makes him back off, you know he is not much of a redeemer. Because now the cost has come too, too high. If it threatens his own inheritance... If it threatens his own name, if it threatens his long-term well-being, he is out. I still remember a sermon I heard on Ruth chapter 4 about 20 years ago. A preacher called this guy, Mr. What's-His-Name? Because literally in Hebrew, verse 1, Boaz is saying, Hey you, come aside, friend or It's literally Mr. So-and-so. Come aside, friend. Sit down here. What's clear? Mr. What's-his-name? We're not even going to be sure about what your name is. This potential kinsman redeemer who could have done it is acting a bit like a hired hand more than a shepherd. He wanted to keep his life He wanted to keep his name, and God has made sure that he comes out nameless. Mr. What's-his-name? You are not at all like Jesus Christ. We don't admire you. You had such an opportunity, and you did not step up to the plate. Think of Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 16, verse 25. He who seeks to save his life will lose it. The man who sought to keep his name lost it. Turn then to Boaz. I want you to see that Boaz loved the Lord his God first. That Boaz loved every word of God that proceeded from the mouth of God. That seriously is what makes Boaz a redeemer after God's own heart. He would come, he would help those who have come up to him, like Naomi and Ruth, begging. They're helpless, they're dying, and soon to be eliminated from all of history. Think of the family of Elimelech being erased, and Boaz is thinking, My God has made me for this very moment. I will redeem. Because God is my Redeemer. The Lord has saved me and His people, all God's people from slavery in Egypt, from being written off by the nations, and He has redeemed them. He has redeemed me. He has set me in this promised land. I can do this thing. And you know, Boaz's first love is is God's law. You see it in his life. You see it right at the beginning. Lord, you said something about leaving some of my harvest at the edge of the field, not to go back and grab every grain, but to leave some for the poor so that they could glean. Remember how chapter one and two were about gleaning? I don't have to do the bare minimum, Boaz was thinking. You've shown me, Lord, that you're generous to me, that you're gracious and abounding in love. I'll let Ruth harvest alongside my guys. I'll protect her. I'll send her home with an ephah of barley. You know, Boaz's first love is the law of God. For him, it's not a bunch of cold rules. This is God's life plan for him. Do this and you will live by it. Leviticus 18 verse 5 Leviticus 18 verse 5 do this and you will live by it or do this and others too will find life Deuteronomy 22 verse 18 says through you and your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed doing this law can you think of all the benefits and the blessings and the way God's grace would extend beyond your borders So God's Word, you just think of your Bible, God's Word is a full redemption handbook. How God redeems, how many people have rejected His redemption. Think of all the judges, the prophets, and how we begin to redeem others through Christ. For example, Boaz could be reading a section in Deuteronomy 25. Maybe the chapters that we skip over. Not so exciting. Deuteronomy 25. But hey, there's, about, there's a chapter there about a woman losing her husband. Having no children. Who will provide for her? She's coming to a desperate end of life. And for someone like Boaz, reading the Word of God, Deuteronomy 25, knowing the spirit of the law. I know it's about a... A dead husband and a brother who could raise up children for the widow. And I'm not a brother, but let's think about this. What about a redeemer, a kinsman, an official guardian of the family? Isn't this maybe for him? That the same guy who has to buy back his family from bankruptcy, shouldn't he be doing this? Redeeming Isn't this for the Redeemer, the the family guardian, who is to kill the murderer of our family? Shouldn't he be redeeming all? One package deal, that widow and her land, the children and the inheritance. You see Boaz, and you see someone pointing you to Jesus Christ, because he loves the law of God. Jesus Christ, your mediator, The mediator of the world, the redeemer for all, he knows the law of God. He has the grip on the law of God, the very spirit of the law. And as someone filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ says, I have come to do your will, O God. Psalm 40, verse 7. Why did Jesus Christ come from the glory at the Father's side to humble himself? To lower himself even to the point of death on the cross. Why did Jesus Christ give his life for sinners, even for you? Well, it's in his handbook. He's been reading it. He's been studying it. Jesus Christ, he knows God's word inside out. And it's about bringing the dead to life. And Jesus certainly studied the Word of God. You can tell that Jesus Christ is scrambling at the end of His life in the Garden of Gethsemane. Think of Him studying the Word of God in those last hours, scrambling to find something. Because in such grief before His death, He's crying out to God, Are you sure there is no other way? Is there a prophecy I might be missing? Jesus Christ is asking This is is looking pretty costly right about now. That you would forsake me. Let's Let's think about this. Your word and your will, everything in the Redeemer's handbook points to this. But Father, you remember Jesus Christ praying this in the Garden of Gethsemane. If it is your will, if there were another Redeemer, if there was a substitute, If there was some other way, take this cup of suffering, wrath, away from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. So you know, Jesus Christ, there is no other way for you to be redeemed. There is no other Redeemer. The point is, your Redeemer has one love. The Father's will. Your Redeemer is a man after God's own heart. Let's go back to that story in Ruth. What's happening at the town gate. There's this exchange, this ancient sandal ceremony. Some picture of handing over responsibility. That's how it goes, the ceremony. All the financial cost is handed over to Boaz. He must pay. He will buy back the land of Elimelech, Naomi's land, to remove their debt. Whatever Boaz will pay, it will be costly. The inheritance, his name. Whatever made the other Redeemer back off and bail out, Boaz steps up. He considers the cost. And we admire him. So coming to the end of verse 10, the message, we are witnesses. Brothers and sisters, you are witnesses. Do you not admire Boaz? And more, more important, most importantly, do you not admire Jesus Christ, your Redeemer? One who has studied the manual, God's Word. He thinks of nothing but making the spiritually dead alive, making the weak strong, making the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. That is Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. And you. Have been bought back from being nameless. Disappearing from the face of the earth. Being bought back from poverty. From eternal death. Spiritual poverty. You are a new person. You're free. You're alive in Christ. The spirit of Christ is in you. Having been redeemed does not not rub off on you a little bit. I mean, admiring Jesus Christ as your Redeemer, does that not make you want to read the same Bible He was reading? It's the heart and the mind of God. It's His first love. It's your first love. This is God's wisdom. This should be your first love. The wisdom of God. And I know some have gone days without reading the Bible. How can you go without reading your Redeemer's manual? And how do you read it? Surely, it can't be a cold list of do's and don'ts for you, right? Reading the Scriptures? Surely, it's not all these ways of limiting your freedom, commands that just keep you restricted, prevent you from being happy and free. Binding you with burdens you could never carry? How do you read the Bible? And now you know surely the Bible is not for you to make all much of yourself. Ways to make you famous, ways to make you rich and healthy and happy. I I hope you know that. It's not a way for you to get a roof for yourself. Brothers and sisters, through thousands of years, God's Word has been misused. It's left people cold, unmoved, unchanged. And there have been people who knew their Bibles, but avoided its message. Like Mr. What's-His-Name, who passed by this opportunity to rescue a family. So his name is struck from the book. God says, my soul takes no pleasure in this man. He shrinks back. Congregation of Jesus Christ, you are witnesses of true redemption. Your Redeemer is Jesus Christ. You have life in Him. If you're going to admire your Redeemer, the least we do is read God's guide for for Redeemers today. How many people aren't struggling and fading away to an obscure, silent death? People with no one around. No one who remembers them. People close to taking their own life because they despair. No one to redeem. How many people do you know in church who are struggling under the dark power of sin and Satan? And how many people outside the church? Surely you have compassion. If you have the heart of your Redeemer, Jesus Christ, if you have the mind of Christ, you have compassion. As I come to a close, I want to read these words from Jude. Second last book in the Bible. Jude 23 says, Beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Keep yourselves in the love of God, praying for the Holy Spirit. Have mercy On those who doubt. Save others. Snatching them from the fire. Save others. You hear that? That's language of a redeemer. Language for redeemers. You are witnesses, brothers and sisters. You are witnesses of God's glory. And it's His glory to redeem the helpless. To bring back the nobodies from the dead. It's His glory that we do some of the same, that we aspire to imitate our Redeemer. And no, you aren't everyone's Savior. That's not what I'm saying. God has many others too. We take our shifts. No individual depends on us for salvation. There may be other Redeemers closer than you. To your friends and neighbors. To your family. But you must reflect your Savior. That's what this is getting at. The sheep that find eternal life, remember this in Matthew 25, there's a parable. Matthew 25, verse 35, Jesus says at the end of the day, I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, and you came. You want a fulfilling life? Imitate your Savior. Let's switch from from being like this Mr. What's-His-Name, all about our name, our control, our money. And switch over to kingdom redeeming work. It's not a little side hobby that if we had the time in the margins of our day. Maybe I could squeeze this in. No. Let's reflect our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. If you truly admire Him, if we admire Jesus Christ, if we worship Him, we love to redeem too. Amen.